0: Reading for verse twelve, Revelation chapter two and verse twelve. So so far we've seen the Church of Ephesus, which was a loveless church. They'd lost their first love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we looked at Smyrna, which was a persecuted church. Very little to say against it, probably because it was being persecuted. And now we come to Pergamos, which was a compromising church and unfortunately they compromised and allowed false teachers and false doctrine which is a warning to us all isn't it really so we read from verse 12 and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days when, wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast hear them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear What the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And the Lord will add His blessing to His word. So there is a blessing in reading the Book of Revelation. (laughs) That's promised, isn't it? So it's always good to read the book of revelation and it's we're reading about prophetic prophetic history of the church right to its end and it's very important these things saith he this is the lord jesus christ and when the lord jesus christ is speaking we need to listen very carefully and as always he says these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges when we looked at chapter 1 when all the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ was seen and all specific aspects come out. And the aspect that is picked from 1, chapter 1, verse 16, is this. He had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. So his glory there is adapted to the church which he is speaking to. And it's clear from verse 16, the need to repent, he says, Oh, I'll come against thee with the sword of my mouth. So, specifically, the glory is adapted to this church. That needs switching off. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. Switch it off. And he says, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. That's Satan's throne. Now this is quite scary, isn't it, really? Um, That the church is dwelling where Satan's throne is. And we must be very careful, careful not to be mixed up with the world. We're separate from the world. But they're dwelling where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. So again, the Lord is saying, I know thy works. He knows all about the church of Pergamum, everybody that's in it. All that's going on in it, all that's good, all that's bad, he knows everything there is to know. And it's a bit of a worry why they are dwelling where Satan's seat is. Now sadly, uh, when we looked at the persecuted church at the time, we, we talked about 10 Roman emperors that persecuted Christians. It was a comment from Pollock, wasn't it? And when it says they will have 10 days of persecution, he related it to 10 Roman emperors that persecuted Christians. Can't prove that one way or another, but it's interesting that there's 10 there. The last one, Diocletian, which was the worst of them all, of persecuting Christians, his reign was 10 years which is quite significant, isn't it, from that 10 days. Um, But then Constantine came in and Constantine favoured the Christians. He was supposed to be a Christian himself. He was baptised shortly before he died, apparently. But he was supposed to be a Christian. But he brought in corruption into the church, really. He ruined the church. And what he brought in was the joining together of church and state. And Pergamos means union and marriage. So you're talking about union and marriage to the world. That's what it's all about. So that was really bad of Constantine. And what he did was he repealed all edicts that were written for persecuting Christians. He just repealed them altogether so there was no more persecution of Christians in the Western Empire of Rome. Now you may argue, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, But not really. It didn't go well. Because what he also did was he put Christians in high positions of authority, yes? And he displaced the pagans who were in those positions of authority. So he had, politically, he was putting Christians in charge. So it was all about politics. He introduced, he looked at all the pagans' feasts and decided he will change all the pagan feasts and he decided to make them into Christian feasts so there we have paganism coming into the church and christian feasts so that was another bad thing he did and he promoted christians above pagans so it's always all very political and some people in that day would say that well this is great this is like the kingdom no, we're all Christians, we're not getting persecuted anymore, we've got a, a wonderful kingdom. Not so. Our kingdom's not in this world, is it? Our kingdom is, is heavenly. And you see from history they had this same concept in the, the Crusaders. They would constantly go back and forth to Israel to slaughter each other, slaughter the Muslims and you know, because it all was for the sake of the kingdom of God upon earth. Very much dis you know wrong in concept. But you can see the principle of it there, can't you? Of the kingdom. So the church had political power. You know, and that's what we don't want, do we? We don't want political power or part of the world. And you see that now. You see the, the, the glory, as they call it, the glory of the Roman Catholicism. <clears throat> I can't get the word out. Roman Catholicism. And its gold. And vestments and everything that goes with it as a political power in the world. But greatly in idolatry. Which we'll talk about later when we come about Balaam, riddled with idolatry, and some people have come out of the Roman Catholicism because of idolatry. I know a Christian friend of mine; she's seventy odd now, but she was just telling us her testimony the day when she had a birthday party. She was, and she's telling us her testimony and why she came out of Roman Catholicism and was saved. And she had two things. One was the, the bread and the wine which according to Roman Catholicism becomes the actual body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. She said she did not believe that for one moment. <laughs> then the other thing she came out because she said she, she noticed a, a very large statue of Mary and a very small statue of Jesus. <laughs> and she said, That's the wrong way around. (laughs) You know, it's nothing to do with Mary, it's all to do with Jesus. And for those reasons she was came out of Roman Catholicism and was saved. And she's still out of it. So that's pretty good, isn't it? So Constantine didn't do the church any favours really Uh, sadly. uh, But they weren't being persecuted. So the world would come in. And lots of other things would come in like false teachers and false doctrine is able to come in because they were compromising. So it's where Satan's seat is. And now hold us fast my name and it's not denied my faith. That's very important. We hold fast the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Arius was a long time ago and Arius brought out a bit controversy to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and his relationship to the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he virtually says, the Father begat the Son. And what he was saying is, the Father was there before the Son, which we know is completely false, don't we? So the Council of Nicaea, they had got together and debated this issue with Arius, the Arian controversy. And... He was classed as a heretic and they confirmed the Trinity. So one of the things that was coming in in all this system of compromising. So what think you of Christ is a very important question for us to ask, isn't it? If you always ask someone that question, what do you think of Christ? And the answer you get back you soon tell if they're a Christian or not from the answer that they will give you. You've got to get right with the name of Christ, yes. Who he is. Never compromise on who he is. And now do not denied my faith. That is his birth, his death. His resurrection, everything about Christ that we believe, the essential doctrine of Christ. They weren't denying that, yes? Now, Antipas was a faithful martyr, so this church was experiencing persecution as well. And the word, the name means Antipas, it means against. And the comment is, he was against all who did not believe who Jesus Christ is, essentially. Yes. And he was persecuted. And what they did to him, according to tradition, they, they had this brazen bull with a, a door flap. And what they did, they, they put Antipas in the brazen bowl and then heated it up. So if you think about that for a moment, as it got hotter and hotter, he's virtually in an oven and being roasted to death. That's by tradition what they did to Antipas. One of the most cruelest things you could do of persecuting Christians. And they even had an outlet in the bull's nose for the steam to come out and for the screams to come out, and they would take delight in people screaming because they're getting roasted to death. Yeah. But he was a faithful martyr. Yeah. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Persecution did much better for Christians than no persecution because it kept them on the straight and narrow, kept them on the things which were important. Persecution was without. Now we've got a much more difficult problem because in Pergamos, there's corruption within. It's the enemy within Margaret Thatcher once said that, didn't she? She wasn't talking about the enemy without, She's talking about the enemy within the House of Commons. <laughs> so she was well aware that the people within are going to cause more damage than the people without. So it's the enemy within. And it's still where Satan's throne dwells, yes. So he will have his great reward, Antipas. But I have a few things against thee, because here thou hast them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, and eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication, and also those who held the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now if I asked you a quick question, how many books of the Bible refer to Balaam, (laughs) would you know the answer? Not quite. <laughs> no, no, you're all wrong. There's, there's eight. There's, there's five Old Testament, three new, which all have something to say about Balaam. So that tells you a lot, doesn't it, about Balaam uh, and what the Lord thinks of Balaam. They're all reminded of it. So I suppose you want to know what they are, do you? Yes. <laughs> well, obviously it's Numbers, the book of Numbers, it's the book of Deuteronomy which refers to his, the Lord wouldn't allow him to curse the children of Israel, he blessed them. There's Joshua which is a historical account of his death. There's Nehemiah which is a historical account as well and there's Micah which is the Lord reminding them that he did not curse them uh, and he was righteous. So all those are there. And then there's 2 Peter the chapter on false teachers and that tells us they forsook the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam who loved the wages of unrighteousness there's a clue in what the doctrine of Balaam is Yes, the wages, the rewards of unrighteousness Balak said I will give you great rewards for your divination and Balak said to him I will promote you to great honour Now there's many massive churches that we see today, don't we? And people who are preaching God's word, who are railing in the money. It's big business, yes? That's exactly what they're doing here, for reward and for honour. They ran greedily, Jude is another one. They ran greedily after the error of Balaam, and that was his reward and money. He's doing it for money and prestige. So all those things speak about Balaam, and because he would not, he was not allowed to curse Israel because they were blessed and they were separate among the nations. This people shall dwell alone, and shall not be. Recorded among the nations. Israel was separate from the nations. And they were to stay that way for the Lord. Same as we now in the church, we're separate from the world. Don't get involved with the world. We're separate from that. And we should stay that way. And when he didn't get his way, and when he, he kept blessing and not cursing, the Lord turned into a blessing. Balak obviously was extremely annoyed. But then Balak, being annoyed with Balaam, Balaam came up with another idea. Yes. And his idea was, I'll bring in some corruption. I'll tell you how to corrupt them. Yes. And they won't be so pleasant in the eyes of the Lord. He told him exactly what to do. And what he told him to do was, they got all the women of Moab well perhaps not all of them but the women of Moab to go in and commit fornication with the children of Israel so there was sexual immorality he brought in which was horrendous and also it brought in idolatry they worshipped Baal and it was also always remembered as Baal Peor yes. they had to remember that because they worshipped idols and they committed fornication. All that was through Balaam. It's no wonder he, he lost his life for it. In the end, he, his life was taken. So this is the doctrine of Balaam. It's all about false teachers, bad doctrine, which we're not to tolerate, Yes. Someone came into our assembly teaching bad doctrine. We need to sort them out very quickly. <laughs> but it was happening in Pergamos. And then that whole the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Again, we've said this before. The Lord hates them. There's lots of things out there. What people think what the Nicolaitan doctrine is. Uh, different opinions all over the place. Um, my mind settles on the fact that there were antinomians who abused grace you know let's, let's sin because grace will abound so we'll just please ourselves and it used to be uh, what they'd say but then it became a doctrine as well so the Lord hated that because we don't do that don't we, we don't abuse grace So the little word repent comes and here again it's very sad that we're hearing from the Lord you need to repent. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. Not not against thee, that's wrong, that's quite wrong, not against the faithful, it's against them, (laughs) the false teachers and who are corrupting with bad doctrine. So that was a slight error there on one little word. You see, you can make an error on one little word. It's not them. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's them, yes, the others. <laughs> and then we have the lovely example of the overcomer. It's always blessed to see the overcomer, isn't it? The overcomer is the one who is faithful to the end, who, who is victorious at the end. And there's always a promise or the overcomer, and here we have these lovely, wonderful promises: To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So there's a few things here: the hidden manna, the white stone, the new name, all promised. To the overcomer. Now the hidden manna. We all know what the manna was. It was sent down from God, wasn't it? For the nourishment of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it speaks very much of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which we can't go into all the details of. It's a separate sermon altogether. That, But it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ in John's Gospel. As the bread which has come down from heaven. Now the manna was put in a golden pot and was put in the Ark of the Covenant along with Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of covenant. So those three things are in the Ark of the Covenant, the hidden manna. Yes, we feed up of the Lord Jesus Christ, but what the, what the hidden manna means is it's Christ in glory. the delight of his father. That's what the hidden manna is. Christ is in the glory. but It's also a memory that he came down into this wilderness world and he suffered in this wilderness world he's accomplished all to the glory of God and now he's highly exalted in glory to the delight of the father that is the hidden manna. And it's going to be our enjoyment and fellowship with God to partake of that hidden manna and all that glory we will see of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a wonderful thing to have, isn't it? And the white stone is a wonderful concept. Um, The white stone is specific to individuals. We're all going to get a white stone as overcomers. (laughs) And it'll have a name on it, which no one knows but you or I. And it's unique to us and very special to us in the Lord Jesus Christ in communion. Now, white stones, it's like a pebble. It was used for many things. It was used for uh, social behaviour, like festivals that have a white stone, or if there was catastrophe, They'd have a black stone. Yes? It was used judicially in the judgment system that if you were guilty, you had a black stone. <laughs> if you were exonerated, you had a white stone, which is quite useful, isn't it? And it was also used for hosting a special guest. I like this one, you know, it's very nice we should do this, really. It's beautiful. You invite a special guest into your home. And when they're in your home and you're having fellowship with them, you'll give them a white stone. And on that white stone, there's either their name written on it or something about them written on it. Now, isn't that nice? So you get something personalised to you on that white stone. And that's exactly what the Lord has done with the white stone. I'll give you a white stone. It's got a name in it and it'll have something written about us. On that white stone. Now, to me, that's mind-boggling. That is really rich and deep, isn't it? That's personally, individually, one-to-one with Christ. No one else knows it. Don't you think that's remarkable and wonderful? A new name, saving he whom receives it. That's what we can look forward to as overcomers, isn't it? Very special. Now, it's important we are together and we have fellowship together and our joy together in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we've got to have individual devotion and each individual love to Christ, individual affection to Christ, as well as the collective. As I was saying in prayer, the Lord knows our individual lives. knows everything about us. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, um, and a lot of people get afraid of the judgment seat of Christ because they think they're going to get judged. We're not getting judged in that sense because sin has been judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the thing to settle your mind is the fact that when you're in glory, you are like him. You're already like him before you go before the beamer. Yes. You're transformed into his image. But you come up before the beamer and it will be an analysis, an appraisal of all your life. We'll know everything. (laughs) Things we shouldn't have done, things we've done. (laughs) Everything will be there of our life before that judgment. And everything that was not for his glory or his pleasure, will be burnt up. And you'll be glad to see it burnt up. <laughs> it's gone, yes. So, nothing to worry about in front of the beamer, but everything will be sorted. And the promised overcomer. So the warnings of Pergamos then, false teachers, Beware. False doctrine, don't tolerate. Don't compromise with the world system. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's the world system, yeah? Anti-God, anti-Christ, rebellious. Love not that world. If you love that world, the love of the Father is not in you. We're separate from the world, but we have a testimony maintain before the world to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ so that's Pergamos when we're going to look at the next one is Thyatira and all the damage that Constantine had done brought corruption to Thyatira so it got worse (laughs) So to say we are safer in persecution than not in persecution is saying something, but none of us want to be in persecuted, do we? (laughs) We wouldn't ask for it, but if it comes upon us, then we need to be faithful unto death. And that takes grace from the Lord. So... Don't worry about persecution yet because we're not being persecuted but when the time comes if it does come we'll be given grace at the time to be faithful to the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Father we give thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ and all he has accomplished and all his great love to the church which he has purchased with his own blood how special and glorious it is to him. We thank you for the day he's going to present it to himself without spot, without wrinkle. Glorious. We thank thee for that. We thank thee we are thy children. We thank thee for the hope we have in heaven. We thank thee one day we're going to be there with our Lord Jesus Christ. Eternity. All accomplished for us by Thee, Lord Jesus. And it spurs us on in this day that this is our hope. We know we can be earth dwellers, concentrate too much on the things of the earth, when we are still strangers and pilgrims waiting to go home but we do thank thee for all the blessings that we have and the glory that will be ours in the day to come the day will come when one last soul will be saved and added to the church and we'll be gone And again, Father, we pray tonight for thy children in Ukraine. It's great encouragement to us to see them standing firm and seeing a, a gospel hall with 70 odd people, unbelievers, coming in in the midst of a crisis. What faithful testimony! Sustain them and protect them, we pray. Now we thank thee and we ask thy blessing as we return home for safe journeys. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus, amen.